Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. Today I want to talk to you about awkward my favorite thing ever. Just talking about the awkwardness of our relationship with, with God. And it's a, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I'm not saying that, that you know, with, I don't mean that disrespectfully. But it is awkward. It's super awkward. And this message was super close to my heart because whenever I wrote it in the mindset that I was in, I was trying to get the teenagers in the back to open up and try to, to go forward to that next step. And, you know, anybody who has had teenagers or currently has them knows that this is not easy to do. They're very stubborn. So, I mean, and let's face it, in their lives right now, they are in the most awkward state that they're ever going to be in. So whenever they, we introduce that, those new feelings of a relationship with God, that brings in more awkwardness, and they're just a mess. So I want them to know that their feelings that they're, that they're dealing with in their new relationship with God are completely normal. And now my focus is going to be you all because... Every single new Christian goes through this same awkward stage. I like to call it the adolescence of your relationship with God. When you, when you first become a new Christian, you're that, that new infant Christian. You're excited. You're diving in. You're doing all these things. You, you No questions asked. What can I do? And then you get to the adolescence. You start ask, asking questions. Why? How? You become sort of stubborn, if you will, in your, in your relationship with God. And then, of course, we get to that that. that part, that in part, that mature Christian stage that we're all striving to be, you know, we, we still do things, we have the, the wisdom to ask, you know, okay, why do you want me to do this? But it's not, well, why am I doing that? Like a teenager would ask. All, all, of, all of our relationship, all of the aspects of our relationship with God are awkward. From the first time you step out of your seat to accept salvation, to the first time you decide to just let go and worship, to talking and sharing Jesus sharing about Jesus with your friends, and of course, prayer. Who doesn't love some awkward prayer time? All of them are super awkward. And for most of the students that were sitting back there on Wednesday night, and some of you have been sitting here, you've not been exposed to that church atmosphere very much. So when you're making the river your, your home, you need to know that it's okay to feel a little strange and a little out of place. We've all been there. Some of us are still there. Some of us stay there for a long time. So... And like I said before, there's so much emphasis on those other two stages that we don't talk about how it's just okay to be a little awkward sometimes. So the awkward factor or the awkward relationship factor, your relationship with God. Our, God with, our relationship with God is just like any other relationship that we have. It's, it's built on encounters over a period of time, and sometimes these encounters are awkward. Sometimes we don't know what to do with them. They're hard to navigate. And at times there's a temptation to just give up on Jesus because we just... We can't stand so much weirdness all at once. Like, it's just too much. But getting, and getting to know Jesus is the same as getting it to know anyone else. It takes time. It's obviously a little awkward. And the pursuit might wear you out sometimes. But I will tell you what, he is more worth knowing than any other person that you can ever get to know. Because while he is incomprehensively more big and full of mystery than anything, anything or anyone else, he is also more knowable than any person that you'll ever meet. He speaks, he listens, he, his heart is poured out to you in his writing. 
he, he has wisdom to share with you. He has an extreme sense of humor. My, my being here is a complete proof of his sense of humor. And he, he wants to know you more than anybody else wants to know you. So how do you get to know him and to navigate through all that awkward and come out stronger on the other side? The first thing is you read his book. Every word in scripture tells you something about the God that wrote it. Every single word in there is about him and his want and need for you. The Bible's a living, breathing book, and you need to be in it. You need to be reading it. It connects you with him more personally. You also need to talk to him about how he wrote, what, bleh, talk to him about what he wrote. That's how he gives you answers. He gives you answers through music, but he speaks to you through here. Have you ever read a scripture one day, and it doesn't mean the same thing as it means to you the next day? It's because every day as you're dealing with new things, he gives you a new word taught a prayer. That's, uh, that's a whole other point that I'm going to do in just a second, but just prayer. That's, that's how you, that's how you connect with him more personally. Be yourself. He knows you. He made you. He created you. You can't fake it with him. Anybody who tries to fake a relationship with God, I got news for you. He already knows what's in here and in here. So you might as well stop trying to, to pretend he, he can handle the mess that you are because he created you. He's just like anyone else, and he needs to hear how much we love him and how much we need him, and he needs to hear our thanks and our praise and tell him what, what we like about him. He's, he is, I mean, he, Jesus is human form. He needs all of those things just like we need those things. At times, God can seem completely evasive, and we're human, and we crave that contact. We, we're made for those relationships and that contact. He, just like us, craves that contact from us. He craves to be contacted by us. We're his kids. On the flip side of that, oh, sorry, I already said that. The lifestyle that we've become accustomed to doesn't always support cultivating and, and working on relationships. It's so much easier, and it's so much more common in the time that we live in to just give up whenever something doesn't seem easy or come to us very easily. But God is definitely a relationship that needs to be worked on and cultivated. In order to do that, you must walk through that awkward pursuit. Prayer. Prayer is a conversation. And that conversation is all about building that relationship I was just talking to you about. Who's built a, a relationship without ever speaking to that person? Nobody. Now, teenagers are getting a little better at it with texting and social media and stuff, but they'll never build that true, deep relationship, what we've been calling for the past couple weeks, that squad relationship. You'll never build that true relationship if you don't have contact with that person. But when you build a relationship and you're speaking to that person, those are, that is rap with awkward moments. I love to watch teenagers talk to each other and, and get up in their groups together because there's always that one kid who's kind of hanging out on the outskirts, and they'll say something, and nobody else heard them. And it's like, oh, hey, yeah. Oh, never mind. They just kind of walk away. That awkward moment of, okay, they're not even listening to me. I'm going to walk away. Prayer can be extremely awkward, and like, like that, we can feel sometimes like we're praying directly to God, and we're pouring our heart out to him, and we're like, oh, okay, you're not listening. Got it. But he is listening, and I'm going to be completely honest, and I trust that none of y'all are going to use this against me later, especially you, Steve. Prayer is not my strong suit. I've, I pray, but I try to pray too formally, and it just it doesn't work out for me, and it's so hard. We did, not this year, but last year, it was my first year working at the church or second year working at the church. And pastor was like, you need to step up your 21-day fast when we do our 21-day fast. You need to do something bigger. Because I always give up social media and shopping. Those things are hard for me to give up. That's a sacrifice. And he's like, you need to do something else. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll, I will spend an hour a day. Instead of eating lunch, I'll pray. 
So I go home, Cohen's in the bed. I'm in my house. I'm walking in circles trying to, you know, just get up my momentum for praying. Soon I find myself sitting on the floor. Ten minutes in, I'm asleep. Every single time. I'm like, why is this so hard? Why can't I just pray without falling asleep? Besides, besides the fact that I'm a mom and a wife and I run around like a crazy person, I should be able to pray for an hour without sleeping. And, of course, I told pastor, and he's like, Brittany, why would you start out with such a hard, I mean, why not pray for like 15 minutes? This is, you're, you're new to this. It was just because I was trying to be so formal about it, I ran out of things to talk about. I need to be talking about, I need to be talking to God like I talk to my best friend. I should be able to just be like, hey, God, what is going on? And I do that whenever I'm in my car. I'm fine with that. But whenever I'm in my house, I just sleep every time. Prayer feels strange, and whether it is praying alone or praying with a group, it's hard, and it's because we complicate it. We just make it harder than it has to be. And isn't that true about anything that we do? As an awkward adolescent, Christian prayer is one of those things that we all want to know, how? I understand I have to open my mouth and talk, but how do I do this? The Bible is extremely clear on how to do it. In Matthew 6, 5 through 6, it says, and when you come before God, don't turn, into a, don't turn it into a theatrical, ugh, theatrical production either. All of these people making a regular show out of prayings, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place where you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. That was the problem whenever I was trying to pray and I'm sitting there and all I could think about is, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Sleep. And because I wasn't focused on God, he never got the chance to come in because I was too busy focused on what I was going to say. He doesn't care. Prayer isn't a production. It's not this big monologue that we have to memorize and repeat every day. Prayer, it, it doesn't have to be a formal conversation. It's like I said, it should be talking to your best friend. I should be able to, to start talking to God as if I just picked up the phone and I'm, I'm talking to April. I mean, that should be how that works. When you look at verse 6, it says to find a quiet place. And that's always been my excuse for not wanting to pray in public. I'm not, I'm not a big public prayer, but if you work with Billy Pate, you will pray in public at some point. He'll make you get up on stage and put a microphone in your hand. And he has, of course, never fallen for that. But even though the Bible says it, don't disregard public prayer. God's not saying don't, don't do that. He's saying make sure that whenever you do it, do it in a way that it glorifies me and it doesn't glorify the person who's praying. So why do we pray, except for what I've already said, which is building that relationship? Prayer makes us stronger. Everybody here has been through something in their life. And if you, have been a, if you have not been a Christian and then you've become a Christian, you know that that struggle that you went through without Jesus is a lot more difficult than the struggle that you went through with him. Because that prayer fortifies us. So, so wh- why and when do we pray? 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says, Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. All the time. It's an ongoing, ever-changing conversation. It's not something that we do once a day or three times a day. We do it all day. All day. This alone, this praying alone all day situation can make for some awkward, awkward times. Praying sometimes can feel like you're praying to yourself. You know, whoever feels like they're just kind of praying to the ceiling. Like, okay, are you up there? Okay. Praying in my car, I pray like a crazy person. I know I look like, I thank God for like, phones that go through your car system now because now I don't look like I'm talking to myself quite as much. But, but seriously, when I'm in my car, I'm like laying it down, like praying, get it a stoplight. 
I'm just praying. Sorry, person next to me. You just saw me get Jesus. And have you ever been whispering a prayer and somebody walks up on you like you're at a store? And I'm, I, this is me. I don't know if anybody else is weird like this. But I'm, I'm praying. I'm at a store praying for a sale. Thank you, April. Somebody walks up on me praying and like, what are you doing, you weirdo? You're talking to yourself. You get that, are you crazy look? But the point I can't drive home hard enough is that prayer is only awkward because we complicate it. We make it that way. Jesus loves a simple, down-to-earth, heart-filled plea of your heart more than anything that's rehearsed or clearly thought out. Because he knows what's in your heart already. He's just waiting for you to voice it. So that, the third thing that is awkward, this is my favorite one, is worship. The definition of worship is to show reverence and adoration for a deity or to honor with religious rites. That word, that definition that I just gave you is a verb. Worship is an action. It's not something that we say we're doing. It's not, it's not a thing. It's an action. It's something that we do. So why do we do it? First, we just need to establish that worship is so much more than music. This is amazing, and this, this is necessary for what we're doing here. But worship is so much more than just singing. Worship is reading your Bible. Worship is giving. Worship is praying. There are so many different ways to worship that even the simplest act of kindness is worship if it's done with adoration and reverence to God. So why do we do it? Why do we worship? It sets the tone. When you come in here, and, and on, on Sunday mornings, Amber's up here leading, and on Wednesday nights, Lacey's back there leading, it sets the tone for, for what we're going to do here. Prayer, worshipful prayer, sets the tone for your relationship, especially, you know, I mean, whenever we come in here and we do passionate core, when they do passionate core on Sunday, that sets the tone for what's going to happen in here later on. It's inviting God's presence. I want you to think for a second about whenever you're watching a movie and just switching back to music for a second. The music of that movie will build and get more intense when something important is about to happen. It's always whenever in a scary movie, it's always whenever that one person says, I'm going to go through this door. Y'all go over there. You idiot. You're about to die. Every time. But, but it, it prepares you for some, what's next. Music in church does the same thing. When the worship team gets up here on Wednesdays or on Sundays, it helps prepare your heart for what pastor is going to say. It opens you up to the word. It ushers in a tone and the feeling of the whole service and other aspects to give openly and sacrificially. It prepares your heart for the bigger blessing that, that God's going to pour out on you. Reading your Bible prepares your mind for the day. The verses and the devotions that you read are not just words on a page. Those, those are setting a tone for your entire day. I know that whenever I start my day with devotion and prayer, I'm a lot less likely to yell at people. A lot less likely. I might still yell at you, but it's going to be a lot less mean than it would have been originally right? Likewise, reading also helps give you direction, and, and it's directly from the Word of God. Praying, again, like I just said, we've already covered it, but it's important because it prepares your relationship for the growth and the encounters that you'll have with Him. So where does the awkward factor go come in? Mostly where we don't have a clear understanding. If you see a, see a theme here, it's when we don't understand clearly, we feel awkward. Worship is obvious, where do I put my hands? How high do I raise them? Why am I raising them? Why are we doing this? I don't understand. Well, it's a surrender. It's, it's showing him, you know, when some, somebody had a gun to your head, I, I give up. You know, I give up, God. I give you everything that I have. It's yours. Take it. Uh, giving pretty, make, pretty much makes everybody weird. Nobody likes to talk about money or anything like that. But you, whenever you start asking people for, for their wall, open their wallets, you know, tithing, you, it's like you've asked for their first child. It's okay. We don't want your kids. I got my own. I don't need the, yours. 
Reading your Bible can also be awkward because you have to look up the words in the King James Version from a different dictionary to understand what's going on there. So you need to, of course, make sure that you have the, the, a Bible that you can understand, unlike me, who just wanted this certain Bible and decided to grab one, and it's the King James Version, and I can't understand it. Basically, awkward because of uncertainty, right? Worship in every sense, though, is so necessary because it keeps it Keep, keeps us connected. Every form of worship that I just mentioned is your lifeline to his love. You've, you've, if you have to look no further than Psalms 95 to figure out that worship, worship softens us to his words and his direction. And it just says, I'm just going to paraphrase some of it because it's kind of a long verse. But it just says, you know, let's march in, into his presence singing praises, lifting the rafters with our hymns. And why? Because God is the best. High king over all gods. In one hand, he holds deep caves and caverns. In the other, he grasps high mountains. He made the ocean. He owns it. His hands sculpted the earth. Why do we want to worship? Because he's the best. And we want to make sure that he knows that we know that. So worship just... To recap that one, because that's the long one, sorry. It keeps you close, it sets the tone, and it's the release of God's love through our lives by praising him. My final and probably most awkward thing that I want to talk to you about is just sharing Jesus with other people. While I was doing my research for my message, I just like to Google some of my topics and see what other youth pastors or other pastors are saying. And it's no wonder people think that Christians are creepy. Because some of the stuff that I came up with is just like, they have videos Hey, kids, I want to share Jesus with you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sharing Jesus with other can, others can be awkward because as Christians, we, we know the pressure that's on us, right? We, that's our job. The Bible tells us it's our job to share Jesus with other people. We know that's what he expects of us. And so it just makes us ran out random Jesus talk. Just, it's like I, what I like to call Christianese. Just start set, using words that... Other people don't really understand if they're not, if they aren't in church and they don't know what we're talking about, then they are just looking at us like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You can't use church words. When you're sharing Jesus with other people, you have to talk to them in a language that they understand. Nobody understands this more than me. I'm a youth pastor. I talk to teenagers. Sometimes I have no idea what they're talking about. You have, I literally, I have, there's this, I have to look up their, their terminology sometimes. Squad, selfie, you know, I knew that one. I mean, they just have John. Hand me that John over there. What? But I have to talk to them how they talk or they don't understand me, so it's good for me to know these things. Sharing, sharing Jesus with others is all about overcoming that insecurity and not, not, not letting ourselves be held back by not knowing how to talk to those people. Learning, learning those people first, loving those people first, and then telling them about Jesus. James 3, 5 is, I love this verse, and I... I just took a part out of it out. James 3, 5 says, it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. And I took that one part out because it stands alone so well. But the Bible's really talking about um, the negative words that you speak from your mouth. The whole verse is, it only takes a spark to remember to set a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. The Bible tells us how strong our words are. In sharing Jesus, we know how strong our words are. But I want you to flip that thinking around for a minute, and I want you to remove all the awkward and all the insecurity from it, and I want you to see how powerful your tongue is, that if you can ruin the world, you can also save it. By sharing Jesus and spreading his love, that's, how pow- that's the power that we want to we see. 
We want to focus on, yes, we can ruin the world, but we can also save it. So in closing, Josh, if you'll come on up. I believe in embracing the awkward. And to me, being awkward, you, anybody who knows me, I'm a little, I'm a little strange. <laughs> Amen. A simple act of awkwardness expresses a personal uniqueness while brightening the day of others. And I believe that embracing that awkward is embracing the very words of Romans 12 too. Tells us not to conform to the patterns of this world. So by being awkward, I'm not conforming to the pattern. By being awkward, I'm, I'm sticking out, I'm standing out. And it's the inability to be different where we lose sight of what God wants for us in our relationship, in worship, in prayer, and in sharing him with others. And like, like I mentioned before, don't misunderstand this as disrespect. I don't mean to say that, that God wants us to remain awkward because he wants us to look silly or because he wants us to, to look silly, basically. But he wants us to be awkward because he wants us to remember that a relationship with him is not one of convenience. If it was convenient, there would have been no need for the cross because we would have got it right the first time. So I just want all of you to remember that in the middle of all this awkward, the fact remains that we were created to do these things. We were created to worship. We were created to pray, to accept his love, to accept his love and his word, and to make sure that others know about the hope that we have inside of us by sharing him with us. So shouldn't something that we were literally made to do feel more natural? And the answer is no, because Jesus wants you awkward. So if everybody will bow their heads. The main thing of all of this is just knowing that we are created to do these things. If anybody's here today and they don't have a relationship with God, I just want to tell you that the short paraphrase, what I like to call the latent version of, of this, is there was a man, he, he lived 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross for you because he loves you. And he wants you to know him deep, more deeply and more personally. So if there's somebody here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, he came back today, you don't know what, what you're here. Look at me. If there's anybody in this room, it is my belief that that's what we're here to do. I'm trying to do what he wants me to do, and that is just to share him with everybody. So if you don't have a relationship with God, just look up at me. Okay. My second part of my altar call is if you're ready to move, maybe you're in that early stage of, of being a Christian and you're ready to move to that awkward stage. I hope I didn't scare you away from it. But you're ready to move to that awkward stage where you start asking the why and the how and the things that he wants you to do next. Maybe you're in that awkward stage and you want to move to that next stage, that mature Christian stage. If you'll just stand up and come forward right now, and just surrender everything to him and tell him, God, I'm ready to move on to what you have next. You can go ahead and come forward now. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after Sure. You say come to the world.